Do you have a theme song? Like I, an intro I song? I need one for sure. I definitely need to get have like a, some sort of theme song. I used to just do uh, Dilla. Uh, yeah. So, what, is it So Far To Go or So Far? I remember you used to have that on your radio show. Yeah. You inspire yeah. me definitely to have, like, <laughs> like you really got, you were the one that got me into Dilla. Dude. I don't think I've ever listened to Dilla before I, your radio show. Dude, I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad we started the show this way. For sure. are, are we starting it? Well, I guess now we must have to start okay, it because cool. that was not the that was it was a very raw start for sure. Um, but I'll do a quick intro now. Yeah. Now that we've officially started, uh, you already know it's hip hop made me do it. DJ Toasty Z, we are out in Brooklyn chilling on the patio. We got some coffee. It's all good vibes right Cheers. here. Cheers. I'm with the one and only John Hollowitz. And uh, a lot of you probably don't know who John Hollowitz is. <laughs> no way. <laughs> so let me do a quick intro. He's actually, uh, he's instrumental into to hit the Hip Hop Made Me Do It. Um, who knows if I would have started Hip Hop Made Me Do It if it wasn't for John, actually. Because uh, he actually was trained me as a WMOA DJ and got me into college radio. Uh, he used to run Beats Pill Radio on WMOA. Um, Not alone, though. With Miles. Yeah, Miles Powell. Now lives in Austin. That's fire. That's yeah. fire. Um, yeah, and you know, you guys trained me and you know showed me the ropes. And uh, at that time, you were like one of the few hip hop shows on WMA. Yeah. I think it was you and Trigger Radio, which you know there the, were a lot of interviews too. Yeah, we were the more uh, music one because we also didn't like to talk that much. Yeah, we used to have our friends and family be like, "You got, you guys should talk more." Uh, but we didn't really enjoy it. I'm not a huge fan of my own voice, and I don't think Miles is either. So it used to be we try to keep it to a minimum and just do our, like, whatever the minimum re- requirements were as far as PSAs and stuff like that. Oh, for sure. For sure. I know um, I used to not be into talking, and then I kind of realized, like, I would never even, like, say, like, the phone number because mm-hmm. I was like... I felt awkward, like, having people call in. And then I had a guest come on, and they're like, you know, we said it, and, like, we had had calls coming in. And I just remember it was just being, like, so much more fun because, like, I don't know, you get people engaged, and you realize, like, people are actually listening because it's, like, the more you put out that phone number, the more calls you get. And otherwise, you know, unless someone knows WMA and knows the number, they're not necessarily going to call They could call them right now. 413-545-3691. I still got it, right? Yeah. I mean, we won't answer because we're not there. <laughs> yeah, <but>. call them. <laughs> and who knows? They might be on automation right now. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I always thought it was super dope what you guys were doing because you were one of only two, like like I said, two real hip-hop stations or hip-hop shows on the station. And I think part of that reason why is, like, most people didn't want to put in the effort to, like, edit their music. That was a huge thing claim. about it. Yeah, I think a lot of people were just like, they would get a show and then they would just start playing music with cursing and then they would get in trouble and, you know, kicked off. Like, it wouldn't yeah. last very long. Um, or if you're going to download clean versions, it's just going to be the most popular song. So you're going to have like like some top 40 rap show thing or or just we what we used to do is just like strictly play like DJ premiere instrumentals and stuff like that. Yeah. but. I think we realized our show was way less quality than it could be. Mm-hmm. Playing random music you can barely find. You know when you find old old rap on YouTube and it's just like it's just a, a still of the forty five. Yeah, you can't find clean versions of that usually, unless like th- those forty fives usually had clean versions on them. But that wasn't the version that someone would bother to upload to radio. Yeah, and, and so it takes time. But two hour block with two dudes trying to fill it. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah, for sure. And and I was doing it with, uh, like I said, just myself. And I remember being like, you know, you don't really fully realize it until you want to play all fresh tunes. You know, you don't want to necessarily play. I would like mix in some popular songs, but even if it was like a popular artist, I would want to play more of like a rare cut, you know? And it's like, you can't always find clean versions of every song you want to play. Like, luckily with YouTube, a lot of people have those edits. Um, and it would take me, like I said, two hours to do an eight hour show. Yeah, and or eight hours to do a two-hour show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one thing too that was nice is our musical taste wasn't so. Um, it was more like artists like De La, yeah, Tribe, Common, and those dudes don't really cuss 
too much in their songs. Yeah, like, for sure. For um, sure. So they're, it's kind of like going through and picking out a few, but there's some music that, especially with like the limited skills we had, because we were just trying to figure it out, if you keep having reversing uh, swears like every time, because it also depends yeah. where the drum beat falls in the word. Mm-hmm. If it's right in the middle of the word, you can reverse it and there's no problems. Yeah. But if it's like towards the front of the word, all of a sudden you just reverse a drum beat and moved it from here to here. <laughs> yeah, it just sounds and, choppy. Yeah, and it's just because uh, it's just all about the instrumental. Like, yeah, I would always. I mean, for me, it was always a matter of like I would try to not. I would try to always reverse the sound because I always thought that normally look, would sound cooler. Um, and because like you know, whenever you hear a ton of bleeps, it's like it can be a lot. But if you reverse the sound. It can be like pretty seamless. So like that was my go to was just so you know all the words out. backwards. Yeah, it was it was, it was <laughs> like, it's, it's we, really interesting to like actually like sit there and listen to all these songs that you've edited for hours and reverse the sound and yeah. Sometimes I would add like a it wasn't even a bleep. It was like this kind of like chirp as an effect because Miles almost did like, that one in Audacity. You're talking yeah about. yeah. It's like called it's like chirp. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like almost like a. It's funny because it. Sometimes it actually added to the song because it was like sometimes it feels good to like drop a, a bleep in there, but if you're bleeping everything, then it, you know, we didn't really do bleeps, on... but we would do white noise too. Mm-hmm. And if you put a white noise with a fade out, it kind of makes a shh sound. Oh wow, yeah. So things like that, but sometimes, like, you know, Lil Wayne's "Let the Beat Build." Mm-hmm. You know how this is a family program. Can I swear on this? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. You know how the the line is "Let the beat build, bitch." Yeah, yeah. And he just keeps saying it over and over. Uh huh. But he says "bitch" yeah, for it's a like long time. When you stretch out the when the <laughs> word gets stretched out, and then that's what I find when you try to reverse a stretched out word, it would be like it would just be like it's so fucked. <laughs> yeah, like so. What I did with that was white noise. So it was like "Let the beat build." And it just, I listened to it back. Or 50 Cent has a song off one of his early mixtapes. I think it's the Guess Who's Back mixtape yeah. called Fuck You. Do you know that song? No, I don't know that one. And it it just says fuck so much. Yeah. <laughs> and I tried to make it work. Oh, we got some power tools. Oh, wow. <laughs> Hopefully that won't be too much background noise. Yeah. Hey, so whatever, we can't change it now. Live radio, right? Yeah, well, for I guess sure. it's not live, but, you know, live to tape. Yeah, for sure. Um... Speaking gonna, of which, oh, just speaking of that song, yeah. that's where we got the the title to our show. Beatsville? Yeah, we yeah. were trying to think of like just anything rap related that we could make a blog out of. Mm-hmm. We were thinking, what about Let the Beat Build? And then we said, let, what about Let the Beat Spill? Yeah. And it was actually uh, my buddy Gabe from mm-hmm. Arlington, Gabe Salzer, who me and Miles are from the same town. Yeah. Uh, we originally did, it was a blog before we had the radio show. Yeah, for but, sure. I, I do remember that. And... Yeah. Also, Trevor Donnie, he was a part of that, who was okay. also a UMass dude. And crazy thing about that is, so we're Beat Spill, like mm-hmm. Beat Spill. Yeah, yeah. Can you hear me over that? Uh, yeah, I think I think we'll be good. I think we'll be good. Yeah, it might just be some like light background noise. Yeah. <laughs> it's always like the imperfections that makes the, everything more memorable. I don't think he usually does this. So. But so, anyways, Dr. Dre. Dropped his new speaker, the Beats Pill. Yeah, I remember the story. I told you this? Yeah, yeah, but tell it, because I was going to ask you about it. So, pretty much, we had BeatsPill.com, and yeah. he was trying to get BeatsPill.com. <laughs> and so, he, like, there was some big award show, and it was the first time they premiered it. Yeah. And, uh, oh. And, um, I'll just wait for it. This whole... Can you hear me in the monitor? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so the first... We used to get like a few hundred views a day, uh-huh, just yeah. from people googling individual songs, like uh-huh. random songs. Yeah, yeah. And that award show, I can't remember what it was. It was like the VMAs or something. And they put up the Beatsville commercial. Mm. It's like I think like Eminem was in it. They had like these little characters. And if you look at the bottom, it says Beatspills dot com, and it's oh, Beatsville in white, and then the S is in red dot com. <laughs> so a bunch of people like went Beatsville dot com. <laughs> Exactly, yeah. And then, like, one of the things I'm, I'm not that proud. Oops. One of the things I'm not that proud of. Yeah. But it was a little money making scheme because we were super poor at the time. Uh-huh. Was the next time a big award show came around, um, uh, we tried to like, like disguise our site as like a Beats Pill, like actual site. Like we put the pictures up and 
click here, like, or whatever. Because with Amazon, like, if people go in and buy shit yeah. through Amazon, if they click it through your site, you get, like, I don't know, five cents or something. Mm-hmm. So you're like, whoa, if we get the same numbers and if people just are trying to buy it and then come through, and for what they must, like, mess with AdWords or yeah. whatever. And we got no views that time around. They figured it out, the algorithms of search or whatever. Yeah. So served us right, though, because... It was kind of like a trash thing to do to... Yeah, well, like the early days of the internet... What, what year is this, by the way? Oh, uh, this wasn't... This was... Must have been like 2012 or 13, I Okay, think. so yeah, like... Well, I felt like 2008, for instance, or like there was a there was like a time frame where blogs were kind of so dominant as far as like curating, and it was like you could actually make some money like putting a blog, and it's like... Definitely. You know, there was like... You know, there's there was tricks to the to the game. I always thought I remember that story, but I thought the story was that they Dr. Dre tried to buy the URL from we, you guys. We we were like talking to people from uh, Apple, mm-hmm. yeah, from Apple. That's owned by Apple, right? Now now it is at least, yeah. So maybe we were just talking. We were like talking to them on LinkedIn, and they were just like sending us some people, and it was just dead ends. And I think after a while, they like. They just realized they were going to sell that shit anyways. Like they, yeah. didn't, they didn't need our they're thing like, at all. Yeah, they're like, we don't need it. Yeah. No. That's that's funny. Um, so, okay. I thought, because I thought it was that they were trying to buy it or you had some kind of deal with them with the, I know like, like I said, you said the Amazon link. So I know that there was an ad, because I, I remember going on the site, I think there was an ad, like I said, the Beat Spill ad on there. Yeah. So it's like, if you click on it, it, it brings you, I mean, the, honestly, it still brings them to Amazon though, right? And they still... Yeah, like where they want. Okay, so it's like you're not. It's not like you're like tricking them. It's no. just like they just click on it because, but they want to buy it, and then you like happen to. It's not like you're hurting. They're not losing money. It felt ethically lame though to like do something that was so that we started the blog just to like share music with each other. Yeah. So it was a question. Even when we were doing it, like not just in retrospect, uh-huh. while we were doing it, we were like, "This is kind of lame, dude. This is not even remotely what our blog's about." Uh-huh. But also being poor college kids, we were like, "Yeah, but if our site gets like like forty thousand views during this show of people trying to buy Beats pills, <laughs> yeah, and we didn't do it, like it it would be a huge fuck up." Yeah, because I know certain YouTubers I watch, for instance, like uh, Needle Drop. He does like music reviews. I don't know if you've seen him. He's like the is he a white guy, guy with beard, he, he glasses, glasses, white guy. I don't think he's a. I I haven't listened. I haven't listened to him, but I was just listening to someone talk about this guy. Yeah, talking about one of the one of the Kanye albums. I think he. he I mean, I I feel like as far as like YouTube music reviews, he is like the guy you know yeah but um he what is they like, were saying was like yeah he looks nerdy but his opinions are fucking awesome <laughs> yeah no i agree with him on a lot of stuff sometimes i'm like i don't but like i like him a lot uh he's dope but you know he always has like an amazon associates link where it's like if someone buys from his link he gets a certain amount of money so I, it was that the beats bill thing was like a similar thing right yeah bill yeah. burr does that too on his podcast yeah um <laughs> no i feel that though it's like a matter of like keeping like you know, you need it. You know, sometimes it's like you need it to make s- some money, but you also want to keep the integrity of like the, the site and like what. Because we about, didn't even have know? it look like the site at all. Like we yeah. changed a background, tried to make it look like the Apple site. Okay. So it was uh, some schemey, like I don't know. I'm not proud of it, but if it made us rich, it would have been the right. Yeah, well, yeah. The, and and rich. I'm saying rich, like if it made us a hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah, did it make you? Like, it, <laughs> didn't, it didn't make us anything. Because yeah. I don't even think they had a big ad. We just assumed it's it. It only felt like like if you if you made a lot from it, then you'd be like, oh, that was such a smart decision. Like imagine if we didn't do that. Like, I think it's because when it launched, like our site just having been around for a couple years yeah. had more views than the Beats Pills site. Mm-hmm. But then after the product had been around enough, they probably got more views on their site than our yeah, whole thing. Yeah, so like thing. the search, the yeah. Google search. Did they did when when that commercial came out? Did you see like an uptick in just like your overall viewers of like just like I'm curious because it's like even if someone doesn't go even if it's like no matter how someone gets to your site if they get to your site and they're like oh wait this is a really cool music blog like did you did you like gain a following sort of we got a decent Twitter following yeah um but a lot of that those were artists reaching out uh huh yeah um, and. 
like most of our views were because we like to put up random music, mm-hmm. old stuff a lot. Like yeah, like I said before, just a lot of stuff from the nineties. Mm-hmm. And so most of our views, our homepage wouldn't get that many views. It would be people searching for songs, and no one else had written blog posts about them. Because they came around in magazine, during the magazine era. Yeah. So they might have, like, a little blurb in some old hip-hop magazine. So it was, like... But no one wrote it. It was, like, so rare... It was, like, so rare that because you covered it, it, like, not a lot of people were searching for it, but the people that were searching for it, they were going to find your site because it was the only one that was writing about it. It's either that or you got, like, Discogs. Mm -hmm. You know that site? Yeah, yeah. Or, like, those random other sites that just, like, create... I don't know. It's all kind of the whole internet thing. Uh, like I don't know. I think it's <laughs> it's nice. It's, it makes us be able to do the yeah. shit that we do. But it's like I I feel you on that one hundred percent because like I wouldn't be at the position I am, am at without the internet. But it it can be it can be so taxing. It's like so like mentally taxing. Where like I'd much rather live in the real world and just like talking to people, interacting, yeah. and like. If I had someone to like manage my social media, it's like it's only it's almost because you have to you feel like the need to do it so much it becomes kind of like a job and then it's like all right well this is not fun like I yeah. want to just be living my life. It's so. just a void you just stare out into a void and then you create something and you put it out there and it just drifts out and you're like I wonder if anyone will see this. Uh, if I didn't, um, yeah, I mean, I, if I wasn't like doing the hip hop stuff and like trying to like build an audience. I definitely, I probably would not be on, I mean, I'd be on social media, but I wouldn't go on it unless, like, that much, because my personal accounts, I don't really go on. Yeah. Because I rarely have, like, oh, this is something I need to share with the world, you know? Yeah, I'm I'm on Instagram be, just because, I don't I got rid of my Facebook uh-huh. sophomore year in college, so when I was 19, I'm 25 now, so, like, fucking six years. Uh-huh. I think it was when I was 19, and... Now the, I have to still do social media because I'd be at a gig and I'd be telling people I was a video editor, and um, they would ask yeah, like me for their Instagram, Instagram yeah. and I'd say I didn't have it. It was just I could see the light go out in their eyes. They're like, "Okay, I mean, nothing's gonna happen from this." Yeah, it's just one of those like it's like a badge or something. It's it's so crazy. It, it is crazy because it's like nowadays if you are a photographer or a videographer, like you need to be on Instagram because mm-hmm. it's like that's the equivalent of a like portfolio or like something where in an instant if you you meet someone they're gonna like look up your instagram and they're like all right it's either fire or it isn't so it's like instead of like you're not gonna have like a portfolio to hand everyone you meet yeah it's like i just set up my grandparents uh my grandparents are like these awesome photographers yeah jack and nancy hollowitz like just awesome stuff black and white Mm -hmm. just classic i just went to this thing like one of my grandfather's uh one of his galleries out in Springfield yeah. they're in Springfield they're oh, awesome. in East Long Meadow and he j- like they both just make this brilliant work my grandmother like one of her photographs is like the only thing and they did a lot of stuff in Connecticut I can't remember the specifics but whatever it was the only thing to get a perfect 100 mm-hmm. and they just make this beautiful work yeah but they're like their business is not as dope as it used to be because now you've got portrait mode on your phone and digital cameras. Yeah. So the art form is getting lost. For sure. And so setting up the, and they asked me to help with it. Well, I offered to yeah. help with the Instagram, but I'm like, damn, I don't want them to be on this. <laughs> yeah. It's like, this shit is too classic to be on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I guess that's another thing, like seeing what it, what like the internet has done, the internet and just technology has done to like their craft. It's like, damn. Yeah, I f- I feel that, but it's also like, there's still it's almost like the internet. There's always innovative ways to like create art. It's interesting how like technology affects things. Change, like it's like almost the medium. I, I took a like a communications course, and it's like the medium we're viewing. Uh, you know stuff on affects the actual content so it's like yeah. the fact that like we have a phone that's shaped vertically now like people are you know coming out with ways to show vertical video and it's like or like instagram tv just came out which is like just for vertical video and it's like then people are going to start making vertical videos yeah you know so it's like it's interesting how the technology will change the art also our perception naturally. of it 
or perception of the art. I've been listening to stuff about Egypt recently uh-huh. and how brilliant that stuff used to be. And they were using stone, and obviously, like, we, we just have, like, technological bias. Yeah. And I think, like, a lot of the things they were doing, obviously, we could do, like, incredible. I don't know enough about Egypt to speak about it. Mm-hmm. Really, I'm just sounded dumb right now. I think that's fine. But the the main example that comes to my mind is looking at old World War One uh, photographs of like this old technology mm-hmm. and looking at it on kind of a a grainy black and white picture affects yeah. how the level I think that that technology's at. Yeah, yeah. Yet anytime I sit in a plane, I'm like, holy shit, how they get this thing off the ground? But they've been doing it for decades. Yeah, for sure, for and, sure. Or, or sports too. Like we talk shit about like. Bill Russell's era, like, oh, it's a different league. Yeah, it's, like, but corny. It, it looks corny on, like, the old film and stuff like that. They look like they're not, you know. But if they had super slow-mo, high-def Bill Russell posterizing someone... They would look crazy, yeah. <laughs> it's all... It's just... Well, I feel like it's a combination of that and, like, the, sh- the whole, like, short shorts and, like... You <laughs> I know. know. It's like, <laughs> I know. Um, yeah, uh, let's see. Oh, but the thing... Oh, yeah, the yeah. thing I wanted to say at the beginning... Yeah. Um, when you when you brought up the Dilla, Dilla stuff, yeah, yeah. Go. is he is such an epic person in my life? Uh huh. Just totally changed my life when 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 um I remember I was a sophomore. I was up in Chadbourne at UMass mm-hmm. in Central. This dude showed me. Uh, I actually thought Illa J was Dilla at first because I saw the won't do video. Yeah, yeah. and Illa J fills in because it's posthumous. Posthumous is that how you say that word? Posthumous. Posthumous. Postmortem. Is that what you're talking it's about? It's like a posthumous, posthumous release. Whatever. After Dilla was dead, the video came post-mortem, out. Postmortem, I think. Unless postmortem a... is like the report on like a dead. Person. No, I thought postmortem was like anything that ha- comes out after someone's dies. Like maybe I don't know. You it's might just be right. Latin I'm... words. It's just Latin words. <laughs> they're like they're like close. They're close. Regardless, you know? and I just remember it blew my mind. Totally changed everything. Inspired me to start making music. Eventually, at first I was in too much awe to even try. Yeah. I've had two cool experiences out here, living here now, uh-huh. where I've gotten to meet his brother, Illa J. Uh-huh. His name is John, John Yancey, and Maureen Yancey, his mom. I met them separately, one at a Dilla tribute over in, at this place, Brooklyn Bowl. Have you yeah. ever heard of that? Uh, it sounds familiar, definitely. They do dope shows. They do dope shows there. Um, I got to meet him after he performed and just say what's up and say thanks. And then up at the Lincoln Center... Um, you know who Miguel Atwood Ferguson is? No, I don't. He conducts an orchestra that does Dilla, like, inspired music and covers and stuff like That's that. That's sick. And I got to meet her after, and I hugged her, and I, like, almost cried. I was like, you have no idea, like, how much your son, like... Yeah. It, and then, it was crazy, because I got the... She was very nice and sweet, but, like... You were, like, I was too just extra. Like, she was, like, no, this lot. No, not even really. I was, I was low-key. I was proud of how... Yeah how relative to what I wanted to say and how I wanted to express myself, I like, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't, (laughs) but I could tell that I was just another one of like the thousands of people who must have done that to her. Yeah, for sure. And what, I mean, cause like you, you were the first one that actually exposed me to Dilla and like, then I would use, I made a CD of like five Dilla instrumentals and like when I couldn't, I, my goal was always to be like every, at first I was like every week I'm going to have a new, uh, like producer, and I'm gonna talk over those beats, and it's like after a while. After a while, I'm like, all right, go back to the five <laughs> Dilla songs. So like, I had a CD of five Dilla tracks where I'm like, and like the, I think it's so far to go or so far mm-hmm. gone. I don't remember. So far to go. Yeah, yeah. And I would play that instrumental, and that was like always like the intro, and then it's so nice too. Yeah, yeah. The intro for our song that we cut together. Uh, I'm not always positive about the titles of his songs because. Mm-hmm. Have you ever listened to the NPR podcast about how they found all his music in the storage unit? Uh, no, no. But I you got like... you should all yeah. do look up Jay Dillo Lost Scrolls NPR. It's a story of how they found his music mm-hmm. after someone sold off the storage unit that he like. Essentially, what he did is, and I'm paraphrasing. The story is crazy. Yeah, yeah. They found like a bunch of his music hid, hidden, like recorded in the middle of tapes. So they like listen back through tapes and find like Dillo like just recorded a beat. Because, you know, you could write over tapes back in the day. Yeah, yeah, So he had his music embedded in just random cassettes. So it was just a treasure hunt. Wow. Wait, where, where were we going with that? Uh, you just... 
I was going to ask you, like, we were just talking about Dilla. Um, so, so I was going to ask you, like, cause you were the first one that really exposed me to Dilla and I was going to ask you like, what is it about it? Cause especially like a lot of people that are younger, like my generation, it's like, you have to go back and listen to, you know, a lot of these artists. So what was it about Dilla that like was so emotional for you and like so meaningful to you? His music is just, so I think the big three, the big four rather are Pete Rock, DJ Premier, Dr. Dre, and mm-hmm. Dilla. And Pete Rock, you can see Dilla is just like an evolved form of Pete Rock. Yeah. Pete Rock is amazing, but Pete Rock has like this soul to his music that Premier kind of has, but again, like, I have the utmost respect, but he has a very specific craft. For sure. It's just like the chops, mm-hmm. boom bap thing. And that is way too... I mean, in no way any disrespect yeah, to DJ Premier. I was actually supposed to see him. His dad's actually not doing good, so the show got canceled. So I hope he's my, doing. My all friend right. uh, Richie Beans, he's out of Queens. He's mm-hmm. an artist. He actually did a show with him. Are you so, serious? Yeah, yeah, dude, that is nasty. What part of Queens is that dude from? Uh, I couldn't tell you. I just remember I, I did do an interview with him at, at his house, but I don't remember what part. Yeah, it is, yeah. I live in Woodside now. So, okay, all um, right. Uh, well, I could definitely hook hook you guys up. Yeah, he's, let me he's know. He's a dope dude. Um, what were we talking about? Uh, Premiere and like the oh yeah, yeah. Villa. And- it's so easy to get. There's there's so many different tracks to go down when I talk about this shit. No, I feel you, and that's the thing about a podcast. It's like a lot of times the tangents are where the real gems come out because yeah. it's like not planned and you just have a moment. And I, you know, it's a balance of letting it go to the tangent, but yeah. like bringing it back to like the conversation too. So we were, so so I was you were asking me why Dilla as opposed to other people and then Dr Dre is obviously a genius yeah but his music is just like a little bit harder for sure he can make some smooth stuff but like the like Dilla makes music that like it's like it's good I don't want to say it's background noise background music because that's like kind of di- soundtrack music yeah like like lo-fi hip, like you know how like on YouTube they have like twenty four seven lo-fi hip hop. Yeah. streams or homework people, edits of like yeah. new track yeah you like throw it. on and it's a lot of times it's like a cover of something but it's like a lo-fi hip-hop track and it's like it's just so soothing like like i said not background music but like in the background a life like, enhancer yeah. it's an amplifier yeah it's like a spice versus dre is more of like a he makes stuff that bangs where it's just like exactly and uh, so dilla has this like crazy vibe because he can make really heavy shit too yeah but he can also make some of the smoothest I guess smooth is the word I keep saying over and over, but it's more like he gives me more existential thoughts when I listen to his music. He gives me kind of like, uh, like this is going to sound weird, but sort of like death vibes. Like I think about like, I think death, like a, a slow death, mm-hmm. not like a slow painful death, but a slow death is probably a beautiful like thing. And I think like since I associate death with his music since he's dead. Yeah, and then I hear his music, and it gives me like afterlife vibes. Some of his songs are just like they're like heavenly. You yeah, know what I'm I saying? got you. Uh, dude, it's crazy. No, I feel that. And I was gonna ask you actually because I just thought I got uh, the diary. Did you ever listen to the diary? I got that. Yes, at, dude, I have a cool diary story. I got it at Run It. Uh, no, I was gonna say Run It Up. Turn It Up is the one in Northampton record store. I think. Turn It Up. I think yeah. there was. Is that the one in the basement? Yeah, Down yeah. Below Turn there. it up. I got yeah. it. I got the the CD and would definitely spin that on the radio every nice. chance I got. You know, it's dope. There's some gems on there. I yeah. thought. Well, I thought it was all originally. I thought it was all stuff he produced and he rapped, but no, it's like other producers and stuff like that. So just in a, a nut, I I hate like summarizing these stories of these legends, but mm-hmm. just for people listening, in the in a nutshell story, how I understand it, I could be wrong, but yeah. I think this is right. MCA saw he was doing like making epic music with Tribe in common mm. and thought he was the next greatest dude ever. Yeah. So they they gave him a record deal mm-hmm. with the impression that he was gonna um, he was gonna make amazing music and bring in his guests to do stuff. Yeah. But he was like, oh fuck this, I'm gonna get beats from my favorite producers and I'm gonna rap on it, <laughs> which is not what they wanted and that's yeah. why they shelved it and that's why it didn't come out till twenty four. 20 was it last year damn i'm not sure no it was definitely not last year because i've been it's been a couple years but like so that so what do you know when he was like originally working on that because i I assume it was like not long after 
uh, Slum Village's Fantastic Volume Two. I just because that I think that's when he was really taking off for sure. I was because I I always my impression I thought it was that like you know how there's like the I'm gonna say this again it might be the wrong word like the post mortem albums like there's so many of those with like Biggie and Tupac where they just like piece together stuff and yeah. and like some of them were actual tributes and then it just became like a cash grab a lot of the time yeah um but i wasn't sure if he completely like finished this album or like basically finished it and they were just like i don't think he finished it um like snoop's on that album and i'm pretty sure snoop did his verse after dilla was passed oh yeah but i don't think it is maybe i don't think he references dilla being passed so like for sure i don't actually know but it, uh, it's tough because, like, I also don't want to. You don't want to say stuff that's like inaccurate, because I never, I never, I have these assumptions, and then it's like you gotta also check yourself and be like, this may be true, this might not be true. There's so many like, people I respect who might hear this, and I really don't want them. Like, I don't want anyone to hear this and think that I was just talking shit about DJ Premier's production style. Exactly, it's amazing. He's who I modeled my production style off of. Mm-hmm. Without him, like I wouldn't. I've like listened to. I I like study his shit. Like, yeah. Just in, I'll be listening and I'll be like, "Whoa, the audio quality of the record, the quality of the record he used every time this part of like the full clip instrumental. There's a chop in there mm-hmm. that not only is it whatever melody or I can't remember exactly what instrument it is. I think it's guitar mm-hmm. or maybe it's like an applause sound." But it also, you can also get the hum from that specific, whatever record he chopped for it. And I was like, oh shit. Like, that's just another thing, like, lesson unlocked. For sure. You know, it's not like you you listen in and it's explained, you just like... One of the best lessons I got from this this lady who I took an art appreciation class, it was like Art 150, my senior year. Uh-huh. And uh, she just said, it was easy, easy A. A lot of kids thought it was a joke, but yeah. I, I appreciated it. She just said, every time you look at a painting, look at it until you've looked at it for long enough, and then look at it a little bit longer, mm-hmm. and that's when you'll see the that's when you'll see the crazy shit. Yeah. And with hip hop beats, it's like that a lot. Um, and I get why people don't like rap. Like my dad, he's like, just the same shit, just repeating, looping over and over. And I'm like, yeah, I can see why you think that. But yeah. It's way when different. You, in, in, unless you put make the effort to delve into it, it's like there's, you know, there's certain pe- things that are more digestible, and you start people with that. But it's like, and uh, you know, it's like unless you fully de- delve into it, you're never you you're not gonna necessarily understand the intricacies or like sometimes the simplicity is 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 uh, simplicity is not necessarily a bad thing in art. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes yeah. the like, I don't know, my one friend was always into, like, really, he was, like, all he listened to was, like, math rock or, like, really intense. Math like, rock? What's well, math it was, rock? It was, like, math rock or, like, just really, like, technical, like, rock music or, like, he listened to, like, uh, Yes and, like, Genesis. And, okay. Like, but, the, but he was, like, he was, like, so not into hip-hop because he's, like, it's too simple and it's, like, it's, like, yeah, some of it's simple but it's, like eventually he 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 opened up his mind quite a bit and it's just like i'm not always gonna like the complicated stuff it's like sometimes you're just listening to something and you're just you know you're just trying to take it in and it's like dude it doesn't matter how complicated it is you know well also when you hear the original and you see what they turned it into but so dilla's donuts what's this song he's the one song on that album that's definitely the least pleasant to listen to yeah why? What am I blanking on? Are you talking about the diary, or what? Do you no, donuts, oh, donuts. Donuts. Oh, okay, donuts. Sorry. Album donuts. Yeah. Um, so oh, it's I think Twister is what it's called. Okay. Am I? But it's like boings and kind of like great. It's yeah. the it's the one that I'm always like if I want to show someone why donuts is awesome. That's not the song I show to them. I appreciate it, but that's not. I show yeah, them too. You don't start them off with the like weirdest track on it, or like the one that's like. It's like you can still appreciate it, but you're like, if I play this for someone and say this album's amazing, and then I play this track, they're gonna be like, no, I'm not interested. <laughs> yeah, so I think it's Twister. I'm not sure. Maybe Gobstopper. I can't remember. I listen to it on. I have the CD, so I usually okay. listen to it. I have it on CD and vinyl. So I, I'm not like amazing with track names for sure. Um, 
so I'm playing I'm playing donuts for my buddy Pappy. Yeah. Kevin uh, Papagiris, and he was a year older than me at UMass, and he's like an old school dude. We used to just go to his place, listen to Beatles and Grateful Dead records, and just like no TV or anything, just sit there and just like chill in his little one room cabin mm-hmm. out behind someone's guest house out in Amherst. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and he was not a huge hip hop dude. And then we're listening to Donuts, and like he's like trying to appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, for but sure. But he just doesn't have the ear for it. Then that song, Twister, I'm just gonna call it. Okay. Comes on, and he's like, holy shit, man, this samples a spaghetti western that I saw when I was a kid, and his mind was so blown how it was chopped up, and he recognized it, and, like, it made, like, that song made the connection for him. Yeah. Of, like, why hip-hop is this crazy, beautiful, complex the be- thing. Well, the, I watched a very interesting uh, TED Talk by um, Ma- uh, Mark Ronson. He did the uh, Uptown Funk song, yeah. you know. And he's talking about how, like, people think sampling degrades the art. But, you know, because it's like, or it's like, it cheapens it because, you know, you know, you're just taking something, chopping it up. It's like, what's the talent in that? But it's like, you can bring back nostalgia from, if, like, a good sample can be chopped up very creatively. Uh, and it can be used to, like, not only uh, create nostalgia, but also experience. Put, bring people back to music that they would never listen to. Like, if I hear a sample from a song, I'm like, I'll, I might go back and listen to the original song and, like, get into a whole different genre of music that I would have never even thought about. And, like, when hip-hop producers are pulling and sampling these things, I remember when I was listening... No, it wasn't your show. Uh, Age of Exploration, I don't know if he was doing his show at the time. Pete McQuillan, I think his last name is. He plays. He would play the original like samples, where and like a lot of old jazz and funk and all that. And I listened to his show, and I'd be like, "Wait, I recognize this, but I recognize the hip hop version of the song." You know, like that's like when I listen to music with my uncles, and and it's like always a crazy feeling to be like, "Oh, this is the original song," you know, and and comparing the two, you know, and even audio quality. There's Mm -hmm. um, Dilla has this. Do you know the song Love Jones off the Shining album? I think the Shining was the first album after he died. I'm not I'm not going to pretend like I know. I'm like It's fine, dude. It's, like there, he has so much yeah. shit. Um so he had Is it Love Jones I'm thinking of? Or maybe it was just something I got off one of, one of the beat tapes. Mm-hmm. Like I torrented all this music. I've torrented two things in my life. Yeah. Dilla and Outkast discography. <laughs> and so like, yeah, I for sure. I apologize for, for sure. stealing that shit, but like <laughs> I needed it. I needed yeah, yeah. it. I um, mean, when you when you don't have money and shit, like, yeah. you know? And also, you, you can't go get those random beat tapes. And I, I buy the vinyls now. And The only reason people aren't touring now is because of Spotify and stuff like that. They yeah. don't need to tour it. Yeah. Um, shit. Oh, yeah. So I, I was at dinner with my girlfriend, and we're in this restaurant. Mm-hmm. And they're playing good music. They're kind of playing this soul, like long soul jazz type stuff. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I can't, I know this song somehow. I know this song. And I couldn't figure it out. And the song goes on for four or five minutes. Yeah. And then at the end, it breaks down into the part I recognize, the mm-hmm. sample I recognize. For sure. But the part that caught my ear sounded nothing like... It was just a totally different part of the song. But it was like the quality and like the mastering of the song from back in the day that... Just like the quality of that song made me cued me off for what the sample was. For sure, for sure. I um another thing I have a couple things I wanted to talk about. We're at about yeah, forty minutes. Oh shit. We've we've went we I feel like we went fully in depth with Dilla. When you I remember you did the Jizza interview and I, I think that really opened oh. me up to like what kind of opportunity college radio could be. Mm-hmm. Um and like WMA could be because at first I was like pretty much taking it easy just like interviewing local artists and um you know or just like playing playing songs interview local local artists taking it for fun uh and i was like and you were talking about like i just recognize like hey like if a larger artist comes to town it's possible to do like a quick interview i might not be able to get them in for like a you know a long in-depth interview but if i i can finesse and get like a five-minute interview yeah like it just really, you kind of realize that the, you said like the WMA name means more to them than it does to you. Cause like 
to you, you're just like, oh, it's just a college radio station, like a small station. Like, why would they care? But like a lot of these underground artists have like made their careers off of, you know, college radio or like not necessarily made their careers, but like it's the only radio play they're ever going to get because they're, you know, underground artists and they do actually appreciate it. And I don't know, there's mad interviews where I got it and I was like, I can't believe that was so easy to do on it, and they were so down. And you just remember, like, a lot of underground rappers are just, like, regular-ass dudes that are so, like, down-to-earth because, yeah. like... Well, they're... So, it's sort of like a currency-based thing if you're just creating shit that you like. Mm-hmm. So, what we're doing is we're bringing cameras and mics and whatever. Yeah. And we're going, and we're trying to get content from them. And it's easy. It's free. Like what we're doing is free because we just want to do it. Yeah. And they, what we're asking from them, we're just asking for them to speak. It's yeah. Just free shit. It's like, like yeah. They have unlimited chips, pretty much. Just mm-hmm. wisdom, like the Jizza thing. Yeah. And then, or let's talk about smaller artists. Like a smaller artist can do the interview, and I did this interview for um. This dude Wells from North Carolina. Uh huh. And I was talking to him, and he was like, "Yeah, dude, this is the first radio en- interview we've ever done." Yeah. And uh, and then like he gets to go, and even though probably no one listened to that interview, he gets to then go and be like, "Oh, I was on the radio." Yeah. You know? It's like for smaller artists, it's help. It's more help for f- to them. For bigger artists, it's like, can you spare five minutes? You know? Yeah. And it's like. If they have the free time, and it's tough when an artist says no to me, I'm not, I don't take it personally because it's like you understand the touring lifestyle and like, you know, they're pretty, they're exhausted after a show and stuff like that. But I remember you were just like, yeah, we uh, befriended the DJ and DJ Symphony, yeah, awesome dude. And and uh, you're like, basically, you the story of it, of it, you were like, yeah, um, just look like you belong there. And if anyone asks you what you're doing, say you're late for an interview. And I was like, okay, so I have to just be ballsy enough to do that. You yeah. know, it was um, funny. So, so to get into that backstage, um, where J- where Jizza was, because this is Iron Horse, right? Um, or the uh, Pearl Street upstairs. Okay. Yeah, I'm getting the names right. And so we had we were gonna go back there. We left, and then we were like, no, we should go back and try. Mm-hmm. There's these two kids standing. It's like the the bouncer to the door. Yeah, the, we were still in the venue, but to get backstage, the bouncer and these two kids who were talking, mm-hmm. and they were like, "Come on, we open for him. We just want to say what's up." And me and Miles just did the, just were men on a mission, have yeah. some gear, like, and the dude didn't even. He, we just seemed like we were there, and the guy just let us through. Didn't let the other kids in. Well, because when you hesitate. It looks like you're, you know, not supposed to be there because you're not confident. When you walk in with like confidence and you have a camera, yeah, you know, and it's like people don't that, that security guard doesn't care that much. Yeah, like no one cares that much. I think at Pearl Street they do they do give you. A, I feel like they definitely the homeboy Sandman interview was like I had an interview. I I had an email with him and he's like, yeah, I'm down. And then I was trying to bring in my camera and they literally because I was like. I wasn't on a specific media list and I'm like, here's an email from the artist saying I, that we're doing an interview and they were just like trying to not let me in. So I, I feel like if the, it really depends on the venue, you know, have, have you ever heard of rat King? Uh, yeah. Rat King wiki's. I was telling you about wiki. Wiki used to be in rat King. So like the oh, show you... that got canceled. It was oh, wiki. No shit. Yeah. Yeah. Dude. Rat King were those kids who couldn't get in. Oh wow. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they opened up that show that, that makes so much sense. You know what I'm – I know about that – it's funny because doing interviews, I've interviewed artists that have talked about that show because I, like, you know, it's, like, interesting how it all connects, you know, artists from Western Mass that, like, yeah. know Rat King and, like, have the connection to New York and stuff like that. Yeah, a lot of – I think – I can't remember if it was the same show or maybe it was the Danny Brown show, but have you ever heard of Bodega Bams? Yeah, yeah. So we just interviewed him. We were like, hey, you want to talk? And we talked for, like, five minutes. And I just, like, forgot about the file and lost my phone or something. And then I just saw him, like, he has some, maybe he was on Worldstar or something. Yeah. Like, that's pretty big. I was like, damn, I probably should have hung on to that interview. I don't know where it's at. Well, sometimes it's like you're trying to do one interview and, you know, the main guy might not be down. But, like, like I was trying to interview uh, John Wayne when he came. 
uh, to Greenfield, and that never happened. Oh, but I like, saw him tweet about that. The maybe Greenfield show? Maybe tweeted his tweet about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was a fun show, but, like, so... But yeah, Danny Watts was opening for him, and I wasn't even like planning on interviewing Danny Watts. And and the manager's like, "Yeah, John's not really into it, but like Danny would be down." I'm like, "Cool." And then you like end up having a conversation with him, and he's a real cool dude. And you weren't necessarily even like planning to like, try and get that get. interview. Yeah. And and uh, you know, it's like it's interesting how uh, you can kind of fall into certain situations. Um, so that Jizza thing was even the coolest thing to come out of that night. Yeah, it was that dude DJ Symphony. Really dug me and Miles' thing. He's actually in the intro to our song. He's the one who gives our shout the shout oh, out. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Like our talks about the show. So he asked us if he could stream our show on his Wu Tang affiliated website. So our senior year, when our show would come on, it would get like linked to this Wu Radio mm-hmm. thing. So they like knew about us and. Um, Miles was doing a show over the summer once, and DJ Symphony was like, yo, I'm here with Wu-Tang, we're listening, you're doing awesome. Uh, I wasn't there for it, but Miles told me, and I was yeah. like, holy shit, like that. That's crazy. Wait, like, they called in and said that to No, DJ to Symphony, like, texted him. Oh, said, okay. hey, I'm, I'm with the guys, and we're listening. And so Miles lives out in Austin, and mm-hmm. so South by Southwest, he's right in the middle of it every yeah. year. And so they always come back, and they ended up getting, like, if you talk to, you should interview him. He has cool stories, like for um, sure. I'll he got down. they like got to like go hang out, like and like smoke weed with it. I I don't know if they smoked weed, but I think it was in an intimate enough setting that people yeah. were smoking weed. And he brought my other friend, this dude Alex Trepler. Mm-hmm. He uh who produces, he just changed his name. He used to go by Trepstar. I can't remember what his thing is now. But they ended up talking, and I can't remember if he played his shit there or got information. And Jizza put out this mixtape, and he got his beat wrapped on by Jizza on Jizza's mixtape. That's so. crazy. <laughs> it's like it's just crazy it's how things game. work out when you're, you know, even when you're not even like tr- like, like I said, when you talk to DJ Symphony, it's like you talk to the guy that doesn't get as much love, and you have a genuine connection conversation with him, and you never know what's gonna happen, you know, because like the rapper's always constantly getting bombarded, so. You get surprised by, like, how nice someone is. Yeah. Because, like, a lot of people don't, and then just all of a sudden someone someone is just randomly super cool. Yeah. And that's DJ Symphony. He's just For sure. Um, yeah, I think we should probably wrap up soon because I know that show starts at 5. I'm going to dash over there. Oh, shit. Um, we're at, like, 4.20, about, almost, not exactly, but. Um, and I have one more story I want to tell you about, but if you have a question, too. Uh. No, go. Go tell the story. So, so cool. Another just a collaboration thing. You, mm-hmm. you were, we were talking about like just trying to make stuff happen. Yeah. So I work at Billboard right now, which is whatever. I don't know. <laughs> Everyone knows Billboard Hot 100. Yeah, yeah. It's just trash, pretty much. But yeah. it's a decent job. It's like, you know. And yeah. I got a lot of free time. But they have an umbrella company. And Vibe Magazine is under the umbrella. And those yeah. people over there are awesome. Um. And so I went over and I just kind of volunteer, offered to volunteer my time. And we set up this little, excuse me. It was based off this dra- drum interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, this big baby drum, right? Not yeah, yeah drum. 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 I mean, he goes by drum. Yeah. yeah. He, uh, so he came in and this dude, Kevin, who hosts the Billboard show, asked me, my little brother is this sick ass producer. Yeah, I remember, I remember da- Dobby Stones was his now name. Now he goes by Tofu June. Okay. This is why I want to tell this story because yeah. I got... I can't, like, end this without talking about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. He's doing awesome, right? And uh, so we did this thing, and, like, we gave Drum instrumentals that he freestyled over my brother's beats for this Billboard video. Mm-hmm. So just seeing Drum and, like, my little brother, like, fucking... It was a, it was a weird experience. Yeah. A good a good weird, but, like, one of those... And then um, from that, I started with this dude, Mikey Fresh, mm-hmm. who was the music editor at Vibe. Yeah. He, essentially, they were kind of understaffed. Uh-huh. On the video department. So me already being under the umbrella, uh, whatever it's called, uh, we started this little performance show where we get artists to come in and do a performance of their own and then do a performance over one of our in-house beats to try to put out like a Vibe magazine mixtape or like that's uh, sick, yeah, compilation. And But like the in-house producers are just my brother. So I'm essentially Dude, you're just hooking them up. I'm getting these artists to come in and like 
perform one of their songs and then perform something like take some something they wrote yeah. a, a while ago and write over and rap over his beats. So some cool shit is happening with that. Like you know who Master Ace is? Yeah, I interviewed him actually. Really? No yeah. shit. I feel really bad because I did that on very little sleep, and yeah. I kind of like. I feel like I fucked up a little bit, but for you, a lot of love. Um, it was for you, mess for no. WMU. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on. Uh, it's on. Uh, it's on YouTube on the Hip Hop and We Do It YouTube. No, I gotta see it. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know you did that because we. I interviewed him over the phone, and then so I still had his phone number. I hit him up. See if he wanted to do a vibe thing. He didn't rap over Matt's beats because it like an OG like that. Yeah. Um, just he can't just be given out. Yeah, versions. for sure. Uh, but he still came in and we shot the video and everything. And this guy who was singing the hook on his song, he rapped on Matt's beats in a separate video. And it's just it's it all goes back to like the blog mm-hmm. in WMUA for sure. You know, definitely and just having talented people around. Yeah, for sure. I think that's a good place to end off. We're at about 50 minutes. Dude, and, it goes uh, really fast. Yeah, dude, it did. I had some questions that I was like, all right, we can skip this or whatever. I wish we didn't have, like, the time constraint because I hate, like, thinking about, oh, I have to be somewhere else because you want to focus on the conversation and you yeah. don't want to, like, have to rush through it or whatever. We can do another one sometime, too. Yeah, I'm about it. I, yeah. I know it took a while to coordinate this because I'm always, like, in New York and it's, like, you know, trying to coordinate with artists, you know how 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 difficult it is to try and coordinate with artists. So, yeah, like, um, thanks yeah, for I'm, doing it. And I mean, of like, course, anything that's WMUA related, like their whole, like that that thing just changed my life so nice for sure. The funny thing is, me and Miles didn't even finish our training. We were supposed to do our our yeah, hours and everything for sure, and we never got it. <laughs> and then. uh we said, we'll come back in in the summer. And then the next semester came around and they're like, are you coming in for your show? We were like, oh shit, we didn't know we got one. So we weren't even trained for that. And then we got to teach you and we didn't even teach you the real shit. And yeah. look at you now, you're doing podcasts. I mean, I, I train people too. And, uh, you know, I skip over some stuff. Definitely. <laughs> it was like, oh, okay, make sure the, the station's clean. It's like, all right, it looks clean to me. Like, yeah. <laughs> all right. Once again, hip hop and we do it. DJ Toasty Z, we're with John Hollowitz. <laughs> you know how it goes.